You are listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast, episode 105. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. And I'm saved! Yeah, dude, no, dude, sort dude of. Well, no, I mean, dude went to church, which is... The equivalent for him. Now, I, the bigger question is, you're saved. What about everyone else? No, we're all doomed. Okay. I'm going to sing the doom song now. Doom, 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 doom. Six months doom. later. Doom, 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 doom. Doom, 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 doom. It's one of the best parts of Invader Zim ever. It truly is. That in the room with a moose. Oh, God. I like the other one. He's like, you lie, you lie, you lie, you lie, you lie. And then they show, like, the footage. What? Yeah, sure. I'll bring my parents. Yep, that's also a good one. Yeah, I went to church today. That was the first time in two years. I only go when someone invites me. Well, last time I went was I was I visited a fellow magician in Vegas for the weekend. I hadn't seen him in years, and he's like, uh, you know, I go to church on Sundays, and I was like, okay, fine, that's, I, don't, I don't care. We, we actually it was interesting because they had a guy speaking like a special speaker event, and he was a former like Italian mafia member who who became saved, and he is kind of a background ancillary character in Goodfellas. Like his name is Whoa. actually yeah, his name is actually mentioned in Interesting. Goodfellas. Like he's not a big player in the movie at all, but he's like, yeah, that was me. I knew all these guys, and they're all dead or in jail and stuff like that. And right. That's how he yeah. So I didn't realize there was so much truth in Goodfellas, to be honest. Actually, here's the thing about Goodfellas: it's very truthful, but the violence and like level of brutality and cruelness of the main characters was actually toned down because Scorsese believed they they felt that it would not be believable if they actually showed how cruel these men really were. It, it makes a character harder to like like that. Yeah, it's not only hard to like, but they really felt people go, this, well, it's just not that. They're like, everyone's going, that, that's not real. No one does that. That's literally what their fear was, that audience members are going to go, who does that? And they're like, no, these these men were just, you know, knocking people over, fight, you know, killing people, fighting, torturing people, like, recreationally. Wow. And it was like, yeah, that was one of the things. So that was the last time a friend of mine invited me to church. This time, someone calls me. He's like, apparently, so his new, mission in life is to see if he can communicate the Lord in a way that'll be convincing to me. <laughs> like that's that's like his mission. He's like, if I can communicate Jesus in a way that that dude can can go along with it, then he thinks he's gonna win people. I don't know, but that was that was it. so he invited me to church. Nice. It turned that's out to actually be really good as someone who is very slightly religious. That's actually <laughs> a really good way to look at things. That's cool. Uh, I need to meet your friend. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was it. Anyway, so cool. that, so that I, was I, that was horribly I, off topic, but. Yeah, but I'm not on fire, and I made it back. It was I felt bad because like he was like, "We'll go to the eleven o'clock service," and I was like, "Okay, so we're doing the podcast at eleven. Three hours are different, so I wake up at eight, so po- and then I'll leave." And then I realized it was eleven on both sides, and I was like, "Ah!" So <laughs> <laughs> the math isn't working there. Yeah, it just I didn't realize that you had. I saw it when you wrote eleven. I was like, "Oh yeah, eleven. And then you, I didn't. I failed to finish the rest of the sentence that said your time. Yeah, well, see, so you had, you had asked for late morning, so yeah. Well, I, I went late morning for you. Like oh. that's what I meant. But see, that was the problem. <laughs> that's the problem with these cross continental. Yeah. All right. So today we are going to be talking about the brand new film Logan. We have all been very Obviously. excited about. Uh, yeah, even I was excited for this. One. Yeah. So in, I'm never excited for an X Men film. In addition. Oh my God. He's in addition to this. For an film and he went to church i went to church the world doom, 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 yeah doom. no kidding 
<laughs> so in addition, we're going to be talking about uh, Matt Damon's The Great Wall taking a great punch to the nuts or, or the or the, the purse, if you will. Avengers Infinity War has a reported $1 billion budget. I, and we're I also like going to talk about the so. Deadpool 2 trailer. Yeah, we got to talk about that. And we'll, maybe we'll rip on the Oscars just a little bit because we, I think the last time you and I spoke, it was the day of the Oscars and we do these Sunday mornings. Yeah. So the Oscars hadn't happened. No, not yet. Bill, Pax, Bill Paxton had died, but, but the Oscars hadn't happened. Nope. Um, and we had talked about in the previous episode, we kind of ran through it. So I guess just to go through the quick official winners. Moonlight won Best Picture after a Miss Universe near failure. That was one of those moments where I was like, man, I wished I watched that because they called La La Land as the winner. Nice. And then it was like, oh no, we gave Warren Beatty the wrong envelope. The, Steve the Harvey envelope. is feeling so good about himself right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was really funny because everyone started turning to Warren Beatty. They were like, Warren Beatty should have told the producers he had the wrong envelope. And it was like, he didn't, he, you're up on stage. The lights are on you. It's live. You got an envelope that says Emma Stone, La La Land. You don't see the inside of these envelopes every day. See, he just called it the way. And it was funny because he shows Faye Dunaway. He's like, you seeing this too? Yeah, I was going to say, he, I think he he at least attempted to check. Yeah. Well, so there's a, this, there's funny about this is this goes back a couple years. Oh, shoot. I shouldn't have, I should have looked this story up. Years ago, maybe about 25 years ago now, Laurence Olivier came out on the Oscar stage. And you know what the tradition with the Oscars is? And the nominees for Best Picture Air. And then they go through the thing, right? So Laurence Olivier was coming out and he was presenting the best Oscar for uh, act, lead actress in a movie, lead actress in a film. And, mm-hmm. and, and he's old by this point, right? He's And probably old. been drinking because Laurence Olivier was quite the partier. So he's old and he's not all there. So he just comes out and goes, Marissa Tomei. And that's like, that's all he does. And there was, there's this, there's this long, I think it was Marissa Tomei, and there's this long-standing story that she didn't actually win. She was just the first name on the nominee list that Lawrence was supposed to read, and he didn't say, oh, the, the nominees are. He just went, Marissa, or he or he opened the letter and just said Marissa Tomei or something like that. But there was always this long-standing conspiracy that uh, she didn't actually win the Oscar. They just rolled with it. Nice. Uh, and I, I think that kind of, this what happened last week puts the kibosh on that, because they came charging out and went, no! But so- so, some that. poor production assistant gets sacrificed to the lambs. Or oh, the yeah. Wolves. So, yeah. Well, and I, I Here's the real one, sort of the shoves them mil- out. Yeah. <laughs> I read the meltdown because I was in the Middle East at this point, so I, I couldn't watch anything. The Wi-Fi out there is eh, only acceptable. So... I didn't watch any of the videos or anything. I was just sort of reading these articles. And apparently, according to someone, according to several of these articles, there's two envelopes and someone is backstage double checking and they were supposed to stop this long before like the two orig- the two first people said their thank yous and went into their speeches. So this was supposed to be a whole lot less awkward than it actually was. Yes, yeah, so there's like a there's a company, I can't remember the name of it, that watches this. But apparently the dude whose job it was to check the envelopes, because they do have duplicate envelopes just in case something goes wrong. It was like too busy tweeting wasn't paying nice. attention to what was going on yeah wow that was, so that was the story with that uh other than that um so moonlight one I, I don't think any of us saw that i didn't get around to see it casey affleck won for manchester by the sea I'm very happy about that I, I thought he did great emma stone won for la la land i love emma stone yeah who doesn't love it i love just, i she love is she is hearts yes she's awesome. <clears throat> yeah uh, Zootopia won for best animated film, so the movie about the cutest little police state uh, won the best Oscar. Uh, the director La La Land won for best director, Damien Chazelle. I, I don't know if I ever learned how to pronounce it. Viola Davis unsurprisingly won for Fences. Uh, Mahershala Ali won for Moonlight, and that was a kind of the re- oh yeah. By the way, you'd be interested in this. Suicide Squad won for best makeup. So now you can say with a straight face. 
the Oscar-winning film Suicide Squad. God, that's so painful. <laughs> Wait, this means that Jared Leto? Yeah, that die job the won Jared an Oscar. Jared Leto Joker is the one that won the Oscar. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. So that was that was the Oscar wrap-up. That you know, no, no no big surprises, nothing particularly. Interesting. Oh, Jungle Book won for best visual effects, uh, well deserved. Uh, Manchester by the Sea best original screenplay. Uh, Moonlight best adapted. Best musical. But the big score, thing La La that La La I Land, think kind of I think we all can say with with gratitude and thanksgiving that we're moving forward is that the the oscars are no longer so white at least this year i actually my friend at church was like you know we were talking we were talking about this briefly and he was like the only reason why it happened is because because oh no he's about the movie the founder the founder got snubbed uh, it was the movie about uh Ray Kroc, who franchised McDonald's, he didn't found McDonald's, right? You know, but that's the irony of the title. Title is the founder. He and he turns to me and he goes, because uh, he and I have always talked about the Oscar so white thing, and and he was like, he really liked the founder, but he was like, that movie was too white for this year. Yeah, I like, actually, I'm actually, I want, I really want to see the founder because I've heard good things about it. It's actually pretty good. All right, anyway. Uh, the Great so Wall. Let's, move on. let's talk about the Great Wall. Oof. So, have you seen no it? No one. No, I don't think anyone here saw this. Did you see it? No, I have not no. yet seen it. No, I am the reason it did so badly. Uh, you know, I'll be <laughs> no, I'll be honest. This movie in general just had very little appeal to me. I just top to bottom, and I love Matt Damon at this point. Uh, but Damon. but but top to bottom, this movie looked like just in a giant stupid piece of shit. Yeah, it just looks silly. It looks silly and dopey. And I mean, I like the the I like the uh, the Asian actors they got. I like the director they got. It just sounded like a dumb story. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, the Asian actors, the director, the you know Matt Damon, the, the American actors are all great. Willem Dafoe. But yeah, but you just you're like, all right, here, act in this giant pile of shit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, really you know, he, like the best actors in the world can only do so much with the the uh, the Orson Welles, uh, the <laughs> pee commercial that he's doing. This oh, is such bad. a bunch of shit. You know, this it's Orson Welles. Couldn't make you it sound good. You find you can say, emphasize in, 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 in July. July. I'll go down on you. I'll go down on you. <laughs> yeah, so we've talked about this a bunch of times on the podcast about the, the impending merger of, of the number one film market this is to say the United States, and the number two market, China. And we've talked about how movies like Now You See Me got a second lease on life because it did very well overseas, or even how Warcraft turned a frickin' profit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, was not seen as a total disaster because of the Chinese market. So this kind of, what happened with The Great Wall, it was a combination uh, between two film companies, and uh, it was a U.S. and China co-production. I uh, can't, I don't see... Uh, Legendary Entertainment Le and China Film Group. There you go. And we thought, okay, this is going to be this is going to be the the future. Is that we're going to start companies are start, right? Companies are going to start mashing actors together because we already saw this last year. We saw we started to see this uh, last year, not just with you know movies being released with foreign markets in mind, but also including cast members, foreign actors for well, the, the Force Awakens, Force Awakens, Rogue One, and Independence Day, which yeah. had you know Mandarin language actors speaking Mandarin, right? Yeah. So I mean, this was something that was coming, and this is what. I see is just kind of a, a, a the, the first snag in this. I, I don't see this as a, oh, this is over. And it says this at the end of the article. They're quoting someone from, it looks like a, MKM partners saying, saying quote, uh, the market opportunities are too substantial to ignore. The problem with the Great Wall in the U.S. was poor reviews. At some point, someone will find the right formula. 
and I do think that's true. I mean, well, like Andrew you said, have... this is this was a crappy looking movie that no one wanted to see. But then you have something like the Ghost in the Shell, which goes in completely the other direction. We'll see how that turns out. I'm actually kind of pumped about Ghost in the Shell. Like yeah. I, I got, I've gotten more and more pumped because I rewatched the original a couple months ago, and I was like, this is not good. Like, what the hell are they thinking? But as I'm seeing the trailers and learning more about the plot, looks like they took it in a different direction. I think that's a good plan. Yeah, the trailer and bodysuit, uh, us, yeah, body yeah. suit. Obviously, Scarlet. Um, this the trailer for it showed right before Logan in our theater, and mm-hmm. I hadn't seen that trailer before. It looked really, really amazing. It does. It did. Yeah, no, it, it, it looks fantastic. So Avengers. Final thoughts on the Great Wall. Uh, well, so parts of that, the, the the article we have from Hollywood Reporter tie in real nicely to to some information for Avengers: Infinity War, and I say that because it gives us a little bit of background in terms of like how the how the studio how how studios make their money. Mm-hmm. So it actually talks. They're talking about Universal right now at, in this particular point who did the marketing for The Great Wall, says the good news for Universal is that its share of this failure will be relatively modest. The studio gets to collect roughly 10% distribution fees from all theatrical revenue between 40 per, 40 and 50% of the total box office. Mm-hmm. So that's a good that's a good thing to keep in mind while we talk about Avengers because it appears that the uh, Avengers Infinity War and the currently unnamed sequel will have a combined budget of 1 billion dollars. Now this is both both films together, both right? Both films, but that will put that will put both of the films as the top the most expensive films ever made. That is unbelievable. So this is coming from comicbook.com. It says, During a recent luncheon hosted by the African American Film Critics Association, the co-owner of Pinewood Studios gave a small speech. It was there that the co-owner said that the Atlanta that the company's Atlanta location was now hosting a production a production with a one billion dollar budget. Of course, Cathay was unable to reveal the project, what the project was, but fans can take a guess. Currently the Atlanta location is only hosting one film that could require such a massive budget. Yeah, and then I did it just blows my mind that part of me feels like he's exaggerating or he maybe just doesn't know the actual budget we'll find that out as we get closer and closer to the film but a one billion dollar budget right so so between two films further further on further on in the article it says to date the most costly budget for a single film goes to the fourth parts of the caribbean film the feature costs more than 378 million for franchises the hobbit holds the top spot as the franchise cost about $745 million to make. And that was three films. And that's not even close. I mean, that's a quarter of a billion dollars less than what they're saying for this one. No, there's no way. No, 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 no. Yeah. I I, I mean, I I believe they're reporting that this guy, whoever said this, said this, uh, Mm -hmm. Dan Cathy, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. But but I'm like, wow. I mean, that's He's not related to the Chick-fil-A guys, is he? Probably not. not, Yeah. So, (laughs) but keeping this in mind, even if he's no, even if he's you know 150 million dollars short on each film, sure, right? Even if they're at 350 million dollars, mm-hmm. like this is a problem. Yeah, this is for, really for a lot this of is reasons. Really interesting. So I did the rough numbers for for actual 500 million dollar budget, and basing that number off, uh, and basing that on the, you know, the expected revenue for the movie based on the last two films. Mm-hmm. So the first Avengers did did better, did 1.5 billion. Right. Okay. So take half that, like we just read, 750 mm-hmm. million dollars. Right. Minus the that's in that's in rough that's roughly the net for the studio. Mm-hmm. So then minus five hundred thousand dollars for five hundred million dollars for that for the budget, not taking into account the advertising budget, mm-hmm. which can be upwards of a hundred million dollars. Yeah. You're talking, I mean, you're, ta- you're talking, yeah, you're talking yeah. at two hundred fifty million dollars return on their investment. Now, if mm-hmm. you look at the if you look at based on cost from the original event. 
two Avengers films, each of those are pulling in 450 to 500 million dollars in return on investment, not just not just profit. If you you know when when you look at studios like this, if they start seeing those kind of diminishing returns on their investment, that's going to severely impact future projects. Well, it certainly will. I mean, I hope it will impact them in a positive way by we've talked about this before by reducing budgets. Like you don't need these giant budget films to make your money back. And now granted, this is a Disney project and we talked about this. We also talked about this last year Disney made a 7 billion dollar profit from their movie arms, combined movie arms. Like they, 7 they, billion. They dollars. did, but I think going over that 250 million dollar budget mark, you start hitting diminishing returns. I'm certain you do, but part of me is like when you are, I mean, when you when you make a profit of 7 billion dollars, you know, you can take a hit here or there. And now what what they might be thinking about doing is is if this is even close to true, is they're probably hoping DVD sales, licensing and merchandise will will make up some of this. Like, I feel like they've got to have a multi part plan because they are probably make they are planning on making these big deals no well, so, so but, I, what do you guys think about the possibility that it's this is like a 700 bill or 700 million dollar uh budget for two films and the guy just exaggerated wildly even that, even exactly. 350 million for for a film i yeah. mean that's still that's still the highest right i mean we just yeah. read the, the highest before was 320 something that was also a disney film and it tanked right no it did deservedly so that was yeah 378 yeah, so you're cl- so close to that. Yep. The, the, the point is, right, you hit that $1.5 billion gross. Mm-hmm. When you start hitting that number, I mean, like, the next closest films are Force Awake. You know, like, you start hitting the $200 billion. In order to make, in order to make the kind of money Billion. they've been making and the, the kind of... Meeting the kind of expectations they've set for themselves, you've got to be hitting the number one, two, and three top grossing films of all times level to yep. start making that money back, and that's where I have a concern. Sure, I mean, chances are they. Well, that's the thing with the Disney's been doing the last couple of years, and and we've been we've we've seen this, and we've been reading articles about this. That Disney is swinging for the fences almost every time. That that's their new project. That's their new model. Is that they are going for billion dollar films almost every time they release a movie. And with Star Wars. These are the first two Star Wars movies that we've had in, what, a decade? Whereas Infinity Wars is another superhero movie in, or a two-part superhero movie, in a fairly saturated market. Well, So so hitting the billion-dollar mark really isn't that big a deal anymore. It's Mm -hmm. hitting above the 1.5, and there's only three films in history that are above the 2.0 mark. What is that, Titanic, Avatar, and Star Wars? Yeah, and Force Awakens. Force Awakens, yeah, that's right. Yeah, three. Mm -hmm. So for them to even be thinking that, I mean, you're talking... you know, history making kind of, and I just don't, I don't think we're there. I don't think, yeah, like Tracy said, the market's so saturated. I don't think you're going to get those numbers. Yeah, not with Infinity Wars, but I mean, it just looks like that's what they're trying for. Right. I don't, I mean, there is a lot of anticipation for this. I just don't know yeah. how much anticipation. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm super excited because I want to see Thanos. I want to see sure. them finally. I mean, yeah, we've been waiting how many decades now? I mean, we're, we're, we're past decade point. We're pushing two, waiting mm-hmm. for, um, for the uh, the the Infinity Stone payoff, right? You know, so I mean, like, there are a lot of things going in their favor, but I don't. But think how it's... many people know about those things? I mean, yes, those of us that are super fans know who Thanos is, but 
I walked out of the Logan movie and I heard some guy behind me on the cell phone talk. As soon as I got done with the movie, I called you because I knew you would know. Can you believe they killed? And I'm like, oh, I guess I guess that was a surprise to him. I you know, who know? I mean, like the wizards of smart that work on these studios, especially like Andrew and I talked about this before, like the new studio system and and their and, and Max Landis has done videos on this is kind of the hubris and metrics that they use. You know, they could completely be deluding themselves. Or they could absolutely have a model that they believe in completely, and to be fair, has delivered for them at least in the last year, big time. True. Yeah, so that's true. It's 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 up in the air. I, I'm inclined to agree with Andrew is that they are taking a huge risk, and and it might bite them in the ass. Will it bite them in the ass hard enough for a few people to get fired or change their methods? That remains to be yeah, seen. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah. All right. So. Logan. Logan. Well, oh, wait, we didn't oh, no, well, about yeah, I was gonna say. So Deadpool. since Logan ta- started with the, the the Deadpool teaser, let's talk let's Deadpool. Talk about the Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. Do what did you I, think? Because you were you were probably the I, one who's least convinced about Deadpool, the the, the actual I Deadpool was, film. I literally thought we had started the movie. Like I thought we <laughs> were yes. in the movie. Yes. I'm watching this, going, "Oh shit! Th- this is this is different." They added because you know it made sense. Like right, uh, Deadpool has the same healing power, so he's probably gonna live a long time. So he might right. still be alive. And like I thought they were gonna open this, and then I'm watching it. I'm going, well, it says Logan opening tonight in that theater in the background, and that says Nathan Summers. That that's it, I, like I, I googled. I was like, I know that name, and I googled it right away. And then this is just going on and on and on and on. And then like in the background, there's you see a Firefly poster, and I'm like, I was so excited by all short. of those things. Like this is a short. We're watching a short here. And I look, I thought it was cute, uh, and and it makes I I think that was a perfect marketing move on the part of, of Fox Universal. It is Fox Universal, right? Yeah. Yes, 20th century. Yeah. 20th Century Fox do- doing this, so uh, and I thought it was. Yeah, I, I thought, also thought it was just really funny. It's just, just yeah, taking forever to get changed in the fucking. You know, it's the you get the Superman, Superman music and then the Christopher Reeves Superman music. Yep. Right. The the the, re, the, the Christopher the Reeves stuff. Yeah, yeah, the real, the real stuff. Yeah, he takes forever getting changed in the phone booth. And the time he gets and out, his he's butt like, butt is oh. pushed up against which. Hello, that was just like I can't me. Sure. Um, so I was sitting there and and I missed the Firefly poster at first. I caught all the other things. I caught Nathan. Summers, I caught the uh, Logan opening poster, and then Kurt goes Firefly, and I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Because I, you know, I'm I'm sort of immersed. And he's like, "There's a Firefly poster behind him," and I'm like, "No, there's not." And then it scans back, and I'm like, "Holy shit, there's a Firefly poster behind him!" <laughs> nice. It was good. It was so fun. No, it's, I, was, yeah, I was a fan. I was a I, li- it went, went a little dark right at the end. I was like, wait, I kind of expected him to come out and the old guy had killed the, the robber guy, the mugger. No, I, I love the fact that the old dude was dead. He's like, oh, no, you are not going to walk that off. Ooh, ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> like, I that was- oh, cherry I Garcia. Mean, I love it when you get a cherry. I love it when you get a cherry. <laughs> He like, Ooh, brain he lay, freeze. He lays <laughs> down. He lays down on the dude's bleeding abdomen. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. No, I I thought it was a very well done short. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. And I think High quality. Keep, keep, yeah, keep te- teasing Cable. I think that's what the fans want. Yeah, especially especially because like I really yeah I'm I'm a big Cable fan. And in the back of my head, I'm going, they're never gonna make this work. <laughs> like like do we'll, we? We'll get to Deadpool too, and they just won't be Cable. I'm like, god damn it. Do, yeah, do we? I I saw some articles where it was like, oh, Deadpool two hints at who's Cable. We haven't had an announcement as who who cable is going to be yet no right? and there's been about a half dozen different rumors right yes I, I think the last the, the last credible one I've heard was like Pierce Brosnan. Wow, and I still it, think I'm still on with the Stephen Lang bandwagon. I don't think Pierce Brosnan. I, he, Dolph I'm sure Lundgren he wants could to be fun though too. Oh, that could yeah. be fun. 
That could be fun. Um, I think Pierce Brosnan wants in on the superhero money. I don't, I don't know. I don't, he might be able to. Pierce Brosnan, he might. How old is he now? I'm looking this. Up. He's probably what in his, probably He's what early, Yeah, I want to say early sixties. And we all think of him. We still kind of think of him as James Bond, but that was you know five Bond films ago when he got out. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking. Years old. Yeah, sixty three. Okay, early sixties. So yeah, about oh, twelve God. months ago. Cinema Blend had an article where it was like Ron Perlman, Stephen Lang, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, I've uh, seen that. Well, yeah, John Hamm, which I don't, I don't, no. I don't want to do that. I also, uh, I also don't. His kid is thirty-three years old. Sean Brosnan. I, I feel like that would, that's acceptable. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, well, so Mel K- Gibson. Cable I is actually do Mel Gibson. Cable is 30s, actually right? ca- no. Cable's older. Cable's always looked. Oh really? Looks older. I thought the yeah. gray. I thought the gray was like just his hair. Because, no, because yeah. Cable's remember Cable's from the future. Cable. Yeah, Cable grew up in in the Ascani timeline. Yeah, but I I guess I just thought he was in his early thirties. No, if you want to see if you want to see Cable in his early thirties, it go read X Men with Nate Summers. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's like a different version of the same. It's weird. Oh, Cable or continuity just burns in hell. I mean, look, let's it be, let's, into flame. Let's be fair. Quicker apparently than dude in the church. Yep, but let's be fair. I'm starting to smoke right now. I think it's a delayed reaction. But <laughs> let's be fair. This this current X-Men cinematic timeline doesn't make much sense either. No. No. So no. Let's just, let's and just I don't dive really right care. In. I don't yeah. really no, I don't, care at this point. I don't care either. Let's just dive right into this. All right. So, so, dude, what did you think? Because, again, you are the most superhero skeptical of us. So, I will say this. The first two-thirds of this movie... I was blown away. I truly enjoyed it on almost almost every level. I mean, in terms of how it was filmed, how it was shot, the the meat they gave the actors uh, to work with, the the actors themselves. I feel like this is the most Hugh Jackman has cared about this character since saying "fuck off" in the first X Men First Class movie. Like this is this is where he's really he had something to work with. You had a story that made sense. It wasn't over the top. And I they think... didn't take themselves too seriously. No, they didn't. But but it was seriously enough that you weren't taken out of the film but there were still some jokes in there they did a lot of great touches I think the movie, I know, I was just checking online, some people had a problem with the, the third act. I had problems with the third act, too, but for probably different reasons. And I think the movie, my first problem was with, was with X-24, when I went, eh, it's kind of lame. I was about to say, that I, I knew that was going to be the point at which you, you started losing it. I started, and then that by sequence. the time, yeah, that, well, the sequence itself didn't bother me. No, 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 but like was, that, that point in the movie where when they introduced that character, like the fight was fine. Right. But it's, yeah, it's the introduction of that, later. yeah. Yeah, I was just like, that's weird. And, I had some issues with the third act too, but I don't think they're the same. No, I think we're gonna have different problems. We have we'll probably have problems with the third act for different reasons. And I just didn't care for the finale. The whole finale, it, it to me felt like, oh, we're just gonna go back on the the, the the superhero stuff that we always do, and we're and we're done. And I thought the ending was kind of anticlimactic and and a little schlocky to the point of of gratuitousness. But overall, this this wasn't a very impressive film. Like there is more good here than bad. Just you know, I always I always have this feeling. If you ever see the movie adaptation that brian cox character is like wow i'm in the end wow i'm in the end and i didn't get wowed in the end i think i was not wowed at the end but overall but I, I was this, good i think this movie speaks beautifully to your point about the billion dollar budget for infinity wars that you sure. don't need a huge budget of course not we've been saying this for a while we've been hammering the point since hacksaw ridge since mel gibson brought it up or john we you were in here for the john wick stuff but we're like look how look how qual- look how much fun john wick was yeah i mean i i enjoyed it i think yeah we just kind of diving into it i I think the movie started to come apart when when the, at the point at which they killed Charles when 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 Xavier dies that's the point mm-hmm. at which that's where things start kind of taking the turn because I thought 
honestly, I think the, the, the Charles Xavier Alzheimer's seizure thing, that was one of the coolest things they did. That was, that was unbelievable. Yeah. I could not get over how cool that was. I would never even have thought that. I wish they stuck with him. Like when you first meet Charles, he's kind of off in his own world, shouting and, and, and being belligerent with himself. And that just kind of disappears. We don't see the Alzheimer's or dementia reappear. We see the seizures come back. Well, they but don't Charles reference gets... what it exactly is. The one guy, right. who is the who's the male antagonist? Pierce. Uh, Pierce. Donald Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. He says, like dementia, what ALS. Is it? Dementia, ALS. What is well, it? And ALS nobody says make, anything. No, ALS is a muscular problem. That that. No, wouldn't... but it can give you seizures. Oh, it can give you. But but he was. You could see he was losing. You know, cognitive faculties early on, and they didn't go back to it. I wish they had brought it back where 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 you would have seen Charles confused more. You know what I mean? Just just not. Yeah. You didn't have to play it heavy handed. But uh, you know, just we've seen movies where characters are, are suffering from dementia, the savages he, and the stuff like that. He also was not allowed to get away with the idea that he had some larger scheme you know he's in the hotel or in the hotel in vegas and he's having a seizure which stops oklahoma. the bad guys oh oklahoma i'm sorry in time for wolverine to get there and mm -hmm. then he goes see I, I i didn't take my pills for a reason and wolverine go or logan looks at him and goes no you didn't take them. You panicked, and you had a seizure. That is right. not the same thing, which no, was, was so great. different from all of these previous X-Men movies oh, where absolutely. Charles Xavier knows exactly what's going on, and it was really a fantastic moment. Oh, no, no, I, I totally agree. I, all, I, all I'm saying is I just would like to have seen a little more dementia stuff thrown in there. Just, just, yeah. just as a detail, not as a major plot point. Yeah. So, so other than that, I thought it was great. So talking the, talk the actual plot of the movie here. So a rough plot outline is we find Wolverine uh, basically is a driver for a limousine. He's an Uber. He's basically his own personal Uber. Yeah, and he has Charles Xavier living basically in this co abandoned compound down in Mexico. Kind of, he's driving around in El Paso, so he's just south of the border. And we find out that Charles, there was some kind of incident in Westchester. In Westchester, and between that and some other things that get revealed in the film, that pretty much Wolverine and Charles are the only X Men left, and there are very, very few mutants. <laughs> in existence anymore mm -hmm. and it sounds like cerebro went wacko when <laughs> well it's, it, it, it's actually not that um if you listen oh. if you listen more carefully there's a there's a radio report yeah that kind of gives a few details if you have, if you have to the, the, yeah, the, they're driving and there's something comes on the radio right after the oklahoma city scene yeah but uh at some point wolverine is contacted by a a woman with a child and we come to find out that the child is an ex is basically the result of an illegal experiment in mexico where they are cloning or creating children yeah, based on yeah on based on mutations yeah, and that DNA. and that wolver and that this girl Laura is based on Wolverine's DNA it's the DNA that was taken in the end credit scene of X-Men Apocalypse yep and that's this basically the whole plot now is that Wolverine Char and Charles have got to get this girl to some safe haven up in North Dakota so it's essentially an on the run plot line that, that's basically it. and I'd, I'd say like the beginning is really my favorite part is you just see Logan as this, you know, he's, he's leased this limo and he's a bum. He's basically working as an Uber guy, uh, whoever, whoever wants a limousine service and he's taking care of Charles and he's got this guy named Caliban helping him out, uh, thanklessly. 
and who is a, a former mutant hunter. Right. Uh, and a character that showed up in X-Men Apocalypse. Who yeah, was a very different character in X-Men Apocalypse. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Had like an East German accent and spoke in the third person, and now he's British. Yes. So I thought that was... was but I, I thought the, the, the... What I liked was the details, right? Not just like the, the blood and the guts and the tits, which were fantastic, but like he, he tries to, you know, uh, retract his claws, and like one of them doesn't come all the way out. Yep. He's got to pull them, or he gets his ass beat, or, and then he has got to go, you know, and then he's got to go full beast mode to fight these guys off and that kind of stuff. You know, don't shoot the car. Please don't shoot the car. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Limping. I, the, yeah, the limping is there the whole time. And you get the feeling that he's suffering some kind of animantium poisoning. Yeah, some kind, of like, some kind of heavy metal poisoning. Yeah, that's kind of what you're left with throughout the course of the film. I, and I just thought just the, the whole character design and the way they took this character, the, the cynicism, the alcoholism, all that kind of stuff, that was just great. And well, it was paced perfectly. It looked great. I mean, just that whole first act was just everything you wanted in this movie. Well, and you got a couple of really great concepts. You get Wolverine and between Wolverine and Charles, who are the survivors, right? And mm-hmm. this, this is, I mean, you know, Wolverine kind of always had that self-destructive personality, you know, the drinking and the smoking and all that. And now it's taken even further, only his, his healing factor doesn't make up for it anymore mm-hmm. and you've got charles who's really i mean mentally coming the world's most powerful mind mentally coming apart at the seams yeah and then fantastic and then addition. when he does realize what he's done, you know, it really yeah, it, it, it comes, destroys him. Force. Yeah, hits him full force. Yeah, yeah. So, so what, as 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 to, to what happened to the mutants? So part of it is they were hunted, right? Right. They're hunted by the the, the reavers who Donald Pierce is, is kind of the leader of the reavers, and it's we kind of find out later that Caliban is a mutant, basically a, a tracker. Mm-hmm. Uh, what in the X Men would be referred to as a hound in in some of or the timelines. Yeah. So he's used, he's used to track down mutants, and they're they're experiment, experimented on and then killed. And then the remaining X-Men were killed basically in the Westchester incident where, where Charles has a seizure and they aren't able to stop it quick enough. And it says 600 people are injured and like 70 something are killed, including seven. They, they said the seven remaining they, X and that's when Wolverine cuts out the radio. The, right. Is that, is, does that have canon in the comic books? Do you know of that, where, where that's coming from? Or is that something whole cloth for this movie? I don't know. So I know parts okay. of this have been taken from Old Man Logan, uh, mm-hmm. and in that case, that's different. Where that's that's where basically Wolverine is uh, mentally controlled and forced to kill all the X Men mm-hmm. because he thinks they're intruders. In other places, I don't know if that is canon or not. So I, I would have to look into that. And of course, Laura, is the the young girl who is mute most of the film, is our X twenty three. Right, and she. I mean that that is who she is, and she is currently actually in the new in the comics currently. She is actually Wolverine because Wolverine is dead for now. Yeah, yeah. And I liked I liked the young X twenty three. I think I much preferred I would preferred an X uh, young X twenty three as opposed to like say an older X twenty three. I thought this was a good touch. It made it made a lot of sense from a storytelling point to make her very young. Yeah. So am I correct to assume that she is does not have bones covered in adamantium like Wolverine does? She does. Nearly the claws. How is no, she, she going to grow? Uh, I don't know that that, that adamantium stuff. Yeah, I, that adamantium stuff never. We'll talk about. It. We 
can talk about it later because I was like, so, because Wolverine has that, he's suicidal through much of the film and he's got that bullet that he yeah. wants to put through his head and the adamantium bullet will kill him. Then I'm like, so I assume his healing factor, at least in this continuity, doesn't affect his brain. Like, so, so any cell that can regenerate, regenerates rapidly. Now, nerve cells don't regenerate. So my assumption then is that his nerve cells can't be repaired, so his brain cells won't be repaired. So but that doesn't make sense because well, if he could blow his brains out with a shotgun and his brains don't regenerate, then he's dead. Well, his skull is adamantium also. Oh, good point. Right, so the, so adam- so th- the adamantium is the only thing that can, yeah, can, penetrate, can penetrate itself, basically. Um, I mean, Wolverine's powers are canonically, canonically are so all over yeah, the place. Fair. That's why I kind of made up my own canon for this one. Yeah. Which I don't think is, I don't think that's a problem. I think that works in this particular film. Yeah, I but mean, if he has like a brain hemorrhage or they need to relieve the pressure, like a la oh, Star Trek IV, so, so fucked, yeah, right? Homeboy, exactly. Homeboy's done. Yeah, that was that was my only other thing. If he had a hemorrhage, he's toast. So but yeah, I, your, your point about X-23 is well taken. The overarching idea that I got from this film about the situation with Wolverine, although he was coughing, which was odd, but um, is that he's getting this, adamant, this heavy metal poisoning from the adamantium that co- coats his bones totally fair i get that and that supposedly throughout his very long life which at this point is like 250 300 years like 200 years i think according at least x-men origins puts him at 1845 when he's born or something yeah 1840s yeah because he fought in the civil war i've seen him as old or as as far back as the 1830s so yeah roughly 200 200-ish years yeah yeah and so he he has his bones he's been injected with the adamantium roughly in the 70s 60s 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 probably yeah so oh, he's okay, been but, living uh, six, yeah, uh, yeah 60s to 80s somewhere in there yeah in this movie i think it's the 80s yeah okay so he's been living he's... with this heavy metal inside his body for 40 years his powers of regeneration have been able to combat the heavy metal poisoning plus anything else that happens to him for roughly 30 years and then in the last few years or 40 years and in the last couple of years he's as he ages his body just simply isn't able to keep up which makes sense originally when i first saw the trailers for this i just assumed rheumatoid arthritis sure i don't know why but (laughs) i think because that's an that's an overactive immune system too right so it sort of made sense in my mind um but what's so so i'm looking at x23 and i'm like god damn these people are assholes She's like oh, sure. nine years old or 11 yeah. years old, something like that. You're relegating her to a, a life of this? Let's say the adamantium does stretch with her bones for whatever reason it works with her biology. Sure. Let's and... just run with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's run with that and say that she grows to full size and, and she's able to do her thing. Fuck! These people well, are the... assholes. That was not... the point. I kind of like I kind of like the idea of a tiny assassin the whole time though. She could yeah. clean She's like, like 100 a 150 too. years She's old. She's like a little, little chimpanzee. Yeah. yeah. Little spider yeah. monkey attached to people. That was awesome. I'm going to you like a spider monkey. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, look, I just ran with it. I thought it worked. It's a comic book movie. Uh, The second act is basically them on the run with Charles. And that was also all very good. It's, you know, them almost like reminded me of Sam Peckinpah's The Getaway. I love the fact that Charles is providing the comedic relief. Yes. Show me that you took your pills. Yeah, Patrick Stewart was was actually yeah, and here's the thing: if you've had, as I have, family members with dementia or these kind of problems, yeah. that rings so true. It and is. it was it was a very it was a great relief to to see that in the movie and see and see those characters have those interactions, which had previously just been kind of uh, godlike in, in other installments. I, I no love the, baseball I love the in part. the movies. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love the part where he's like Logan. What? No, no, yes. no, Logan. No, what? I have to pee. Yes. And then he shows him in the bathroom. Yeah, can you talk to me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all that was great. 
shows him in the bathroom and he's like, I can do it from here. Well, you're not doing it. Yeah, no, all that was perfect. And then the climax of that that second act is the scene in the Oklahoma City Casino, which was just fantastic. Almost comical because he starts at the valet and he's got to work his way up to the 12th floor. Right. So the whole moment where he's like in the elevator, like, like watching the elevator go up. I thought all of that was fantastic. Right. Well, as you can kind of see, the closer he gets to it, the worse it gets. So just as the elevator is going up, it's got to get more and more and more. It's like, oh, God. Yeah, I thought the whole you could almost feel how painful it was. Like in my theater, like the sound was very strong and it was like, ah, oh, it's starting to get to me. Well, and that was, you know, I got to say one of the things I loved about this movie most was some of the sound editing, mm-hmm. especially like that moment where it goes, you know, it's that super intensity and then it just stops and it's dead silent. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. All that was just great. So let's get to the third act because that's where things get a little strange. And I'm well, curious what you, before, unless you got something else. Do that, can we, can we address Gabriella and the introduction of Laura though? Um, so this is the beginning of the, the very, very end of the first act and into the second act. This woman, first of all, can the video on her phone was perfectly edited. Yeah. I noticed that too. That I was, was like, amazing. I was like, voiceover. Well, look, it's 2029. I'm sure they got apps for it. Okay. Uh, maybe it's an iPhone. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have an iPhone. I, I, I don't know what's that capable of. That's a, that's a problem found footage movies have had a lot lately. Is you're like, this is way too well edited. Like, did you see the new Blair Witch? You're like, no fucking way that somebody found this. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is like, what? so like the Blair Witch edited this herself and then left it by the road. Like, check. It's like, here's my, <laughs> here's my resume and headshot. Like, yeah. I'm, <laughs> Not yeah. No, I, I feel you, but that was one of those things where I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah. And and then also the $20,000 and another 30000 when you get there. And the introduction of X-Men comics as stories about the X-Men versus I thought that was reality. Cool. Yeah, I thought that no, was no, actually no, really I, funny. I, I like that. I, I also like the money thing. The money, you know, he's a mercenary, basically, now. I thought the, all that was... That also, How, where did she get $20,000? She, she stole it. From? Her boyfriend. She says it. It was probably Pierce. Okay, maybe. I, I also I don't know. like... That, just all of that very well. That reminded me a little... It actually reminded me a little of Star Wars. Where they hire mm-hmm. in the begin the very beginning of the first film, where they hire the Millennium Falcon. I can give you three thousand now and fifteen when we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I had a feeling she was probably stealing it or squirreling it away or something like that. I mean, it didn't there was some underground railroad for mutants that that she was hooked. That 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 didn't. And supposedly get me. she and all the other nurses were doing this, but where were all the other caregivers? Caregivers? All the other nurses that were supposedly in on oh, this. Oh, at the end. Yeah, let, none let, of them let, showed let, up. Let's yeah, no, let's get to the end of yeah, that yeah. one because like right. I did want to get to that but i want to start so i was reading reviews on this and a lot of people had a problem with the tone change when it came to the family they run across now i thought all of this was really cool and my only beef with the whole farm family sequence was that i didn't like x24 i had no problem with the way it was executed or how it was executed and my my buddy was with me my roommate was with me he was going i didn't mind charles dying i didn't like the way charles died in this sequence he kind of went out with a whimper uh he was like if charles died in the oklahoma city sequence after his seizure i would have been fine with it i wasn't too bothered by that I just thought the introduction of X-24 as a villain was the first moment in that movie you go, eh, this is kind of weird. And then you realize the movie, one of the bigger flaws of the movie is it's missing a truly present menacing villain that Pierce wasn't badass enough to be taken seriously. Well, and just the doctor he allowed, guys, it yeah. was kind of lame. And I then think they X-24, were both sort of, they were, they were both allowing someone else to sort of take the real bad guy role. Neither of them owned it really. Like right. Pierce could have, I think he was badass enough, but it's, 
soon as the doctor guy is introduced, he's like, "Oh, I bow to you, whatever you want." See, and I'm I, like, you know, so yeah, as far as far as as far as villains go, given given what they the connection to the previous to the previous film to X Men Apocalypse, mm-hmm. I was expecting them to bring out Mister Sinister, who is mm-hmm. this, this over the top glam right, villain right. that, and I'm actually really glad they didn't. I, I don't disagree with you that Pierce and the Doctor were just underwhelming, mm-hmm. but I'm really glad if they had to go one way or the other, I would have preferred them to do that than try and go with Mister Sinister because that would have just destroyed the film completely. Sure, but could they have done Mister Sinister in a in a non canonical way that that he could have been something different i mean the the reason why i bring it up is part of me was like oh they're gonna bring in x24 do they not own the rights to any other villain at at this point are they you know like uh, the girl brought up you could have just made up a villain of whole cloth and it probably would have been done better than x24 pierce and the doctor combined at least that's the way i felt yeah um i would say they certainly could have done something different with mr sinister i actually i actually was kind of expecting them to reveal the doctor as being sinister uh, I see. And and like, I, I was kind of waiting for that and it, that never came, but... Sure. And I would have been okay with Pierce as long as he didn't defer to the Doctor. He was bad enough. He just... He had potential. Yeah, I agree with Angie. He, he never showed us how bad he was, right? Like, But in the first act, he definitely threatened and I was like, okay, this is someone... He's threatening, but like, he takes a takes a wrench to the back of the head and passes out, right? And he doesn't seem to be able to fight. Like, that's the thing. Is, is he a mutant, nothing... though? I don't think he's... No, he's just got the robot hand. So like, yeah. we, don't, we don't see he's like oh see i'm enhanced too and i was like well your your arm keeps breaking like it sucks like it looks like you also have the finger pads to use a a smartphone so i can't take you seriously (laughs) right it's like you look like something i would build out of connects like stop you're not scary that was my problem that was the the big problem with this movie was there wasn't a true present villain i would have been fine if they brought Sabretooth back i wouldn't have cared you are saying this i did read an article just this morning about how time is the true villain in this movie shut up that's stupid no no, but I, I write them angry emails. Um... <laughs> oh, you know, I'll like, send you the email address. So I, I think I, that that's fair, given given the absence of anybody else. Mm, sure. I'm, okay. Uh, yeah. No. I'll just say the, the tone, the, the the tonal change at the house. I like that because I was waiting. I expected them to use that as a setup for just an utter fall. Right. Yes. No. And and, that, and, totally and, and it's a that. it's a great setup if they had executed that better. Yeah. No. The, they, the end just they, lacks con- clear and concise execution. Sure. I, I have a theory the whole, for that though. Well, I'll just and, say this real quick. The whole house sequence to me, I don't think they totally screwed up the landing on that house sequence with with the i just think the my my main point was that it was x24 that was the oh if if that whole sequence played out exactly the same way with a different villain i think i would have been fine with it so my my complaint about the house sequence is fairly minor no i guess what i'm trying to no no, i'm i'm sorry i I was agreeing with you that i think the tonal shift works very well in that because they're setting it up for the fall i agree it was just where the fall where the fall went is not oh okay yeah yeah yeah, the fall itself happened i mean like yeah that all the, the 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 immediate shift back and you go oh everything's happy and oh fuck me you know that worked right. great yes it yes, was just absolutely. the who was who was doing the fucking right yes i agree i agree <laughs> tracy what were you gonna say it's always about so, it's always about who's doing the fucking that's what it's always down to my theory about the reason that the third act doesn't work so well mm-hmm. goes back to a theory i have that sort of overarches movies in general and that is that child actors suck <laughs> i was waiting for this so you look I at this watch a child actor without thinking i wonder if tracy hates this yes <laughs> I did. And I'm going to disagree with Tracy because I thought the child actor did did wonderfully. I thought she was fine. She did okay. She did okay. But but look at the What are you you waiting for? The second coming of Jesus to be a good child actor? (laughs) 
absolutely. No, 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 no. She there wants a shrunken every... down Meryl Streep. We are going to take Meryl's <laughs> brain and put it into the next, like, the, the next body. It's just going to just move actors' brains into child bodies so we can have them forever. It's 2017. I don't understand the problem with this thinking. It is a, a current year, and children need to be better actors. <laughs> Just so overall, <laughs> oh god. Um, so overall, you look at the juxtaposition between Wolverine, Logan grieving for Professor X for Charles, and I was bawling. I mean, the the pathos in that in the scene where he digs the grave and he talks about how at least there's water there. Just, I mean, it rips my heart in half. Oh, and it. then you look at Laura X twenty three grieving, granted for someone she's known for a lot less time, but still a child actor grieving for. Wolverine who's dying pierced through the torso by a piece of log we're at and the there's end now. yeah we're, there's almost yeah. nothing there I'm yeah. sorry I looked at it and I was like yeah, you but just the you char- can't the, carry the scene but the so character you, is supposed to lack empathy no yes. the whole point is that you've got you've had adult actors carrying this movie until the very end and then all you've got is kids and Wolverine well I want to back up just one second because I did like that scene where Wolverine's grieving and he beats the shit out of the truck that <laughs> won't start like all that was great and then they steal the fisherman's truck and you're like how did she get that <laughs> no <laughs> like, the, did she, i i, I she like the progress i like the progression of how shitty how much shittier his vehicles get throughout the film <laughs> Yes. He starts with the really nice limo, then he gets the, the kind of crappy truck, and then he gets the really crappy fisherman truck. Yeah. I think, so I, I guess our, our problem, and this is to Tracy's point earlier, is he doesn't want to go to North Dakota because he knows, he's, he learns the coordinates from the comic book. And where I went with this movie went, oh, no, 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 is when they get to the coordinates. And there's and actually something there. The, there's actually something there. Yeah. All their kids are there. They're by themselves. And I'm like, this girl barely made it, and she had Logan. How did Lizard Boy get there by himself? Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100 percent with you there. Yeah, that was the moment where, like, so we talked about the tone. I did that too. And the house scene, and even like the stuff leading up to that. It was right at the moment they make it to North Dakota, where you go, "All right, no, this was yeah, that was yeah, that was the narrative. That wasn't a tonal shift. This was a narrative shift that didn't work. And I'll tell, mm-hmm. and we can go through the whole sequence if you want. And, and Tracy's right, the whole end where she's crying over Logan, calling him Daddy, and I literally went, "No, don't do, don't call." him daddy that was stupid you know it took me out of the film what i would have preferred personally is if they kept the the narrative structure and ended it a la leon the professional right if you ever seen that movie jean renault and natalie portman that i think would have it didn't have to you don't have to mirror it you don't have to copy it but i would have felt like that would have been a much more impactful logical bookend to this story than the kind of what i felt was a cliched crowd-pleasing ending that just didn't didn't have the the emotional impact that the, the earlier parts of the film had. It just yeah. felt like, we're going to finish this with a Hollywood bang, and here you go. And we'd like that... we would like Wolverine to regain his former strength for about five minutes, right. show us all what he can do, and then die. Which was cool. Which was cool. I'll give, I'll give him that. Like, it was. It was. It was. was. But yes, cool. as soon as as soon as soon he, you know, he wakes up in the truck, and she's calling to him from, you know, a precipice, yep. and then it pans back, and everybody's coming out of the little cabin, yep. and I'm like, Who built that cabin? got to be kidding me. Yep. All right. So I was curious if you you and I were going to agree, because I think you and I agree entirely where, where the third act went truly wrong. That, that, that was it. Andrew, what do you think? Or do you have a different opinion? Uh, I mean, slightly. I mean, yeah, parts of the third act I don't think worked as well. I, yeah, I think the, yeah, just the, all the kids being there, that was one of the least believable parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the actual end, that doesn't bother me. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, Tracy does, you know, complain about the, the kid crying. Like, this is the kid who lacks empathy. Sure. Like, just in, 
I mean, X-23 canonically lacks, you know, lacks it. And it makes it for a kid raised in a laboratory to just mm-hmm. lack empathy. And it's, this is the only person basically she has, she has come to, yeah, calling him daddy, fine, that was dumb. But like her yeah. actually caring about him, that doesn't bother me because it's, it, this is the only person she's ever cared about. I agree. She obviously I, I think, didn't, you know, ca- I, she obviously doesn't care, didn't care about the, the nurse. Yeah, so long as you admit that calling him daddy was dumb, I that think was, we, can, yeah. we could be fine with it. I We're tot- done. I <laughs> totally get her, un- her, her mourning him. I just don't think the actress carried the scene the way that Hugh Jackman carried the scene in mourning for Charles Xavier is, is my point there. I so do what? Think it's, okay it's a child. It's 11. But it's the final <laughs> act. This is where I'm supposed to actually like feel the culmination of this entire movie. And I'm, I'm, I'm here sorry like, that an 11 year old isn't as good as Hugh Jackman. I, just, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what you want from that one. Yeah, I no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying gonna... narratively, they shouldn't have put her in that position. Like child actors can't do that. It's 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 a given. I'm just stunned so, that I've met someone who hates kids more than me at this point. I'm <laughs> just like much what it really stuns me. Uh, <laughs> I'm just blown away. But yeah, I mean, look, I the girl, I liked the girl. I thought she did very good. I, um, I mean, I loved it when when he realized she's not mute, and then she just starts screaming at him in rapid fire Spanish. <laughs> That was hysterical because yeah. yeah, trying good. to understand Spanish when especially spoken by South American speakers and it is it's like a fucking machine gun. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's at that speed, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I just I would have just picked a different. And I think if you got rid of the kids and just had them on the run, and really, I know the movie was long. This was like 137 minutes. Yeah, I understand this was long. I but I enjoyed it. I I would have liked to have seen again. I just kept going back to the professional with with John Renault and, and and Natalie Portman. A little more of like her learning from him, like mm-hmm. right and wrong. You know, when, when he takes her and goes, not okay. Like she still has that almost sociopathic, feral. Yeah, yeah, feral attitude that I would, for me, I would like to have seen even a dinky little montage of him bringing her into the real world. Yeah. And even if they had arrived at Eden and there was no one there and she would have had to realize that the real world isn't friendly. Right. I think would have been a little bit more climactic. Sure. Than, yeah, like, I, okay, I, she I, was right the whole time and he's a dink right. that is about yeah. to die. I, I did. Right, I did exactly. at least like uh, of the kids that were there. You know, they, they did. They did. One of the kids is a, is a long-standing X-Men character. The older oh, one, yeah. Rick, one, Richter. The, the yes. Richter one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was cool. That was, was just, cool. it was that was a nice touch. Like that's what I liked about this, at least from a comic book fan standpoint, is that none of it was like super insane, you know, fucking jerking off fans. But it was like there were little touches, like the the stuff that he injects him with. They never say what it is, but I assume it's mutant growth hormone. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, and the character of Pierce is the one is a member of the Hellfire Club. The Reavers mm-hmm. are the yes. Reavers work for Mister Sinister. Like it's all the little touches that you that if you didn't know Wolverine was a superhero film, like or that Logan was a super superhero film, wouldn't necessarily immediately associate with a superhero movie yeah no i will say this much we were worried almost immediately after it was declared that logan was going to be an r-rated movie that there were going to be huge problems that just was going to be a suck fest but i have to give a lot of credit to the writer and director who for the most part really learned the lessons properly from deadpool and from the overall market of superhero films yeah they just they just went a different direction rather than trying to compete with disney marvel and the over the topness they they did what they did best. They did they did a fox picture. Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually interesting. We, we one of the first things Becky said when we walked out of the film is she's like, I think that she's like, I appreciated that it was rated R so they could do some of the things they did. Yeah, and they did it well. Yeah, like they really yeah. did it. They did it well for the most part. I think just from that minor hiccup in the, uh, I mean major hiccup in 
the third act. I, I can't knock the film that hard. It is certainly one of the more quality superhero films we've had. And I've seen like people have been ranking it right behind Dark Knight. I can see that. And I would, I would, yeah. I would say I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yes, I'm criticizing the fact that the child actor can't carry an entire massive emotional scene. So what? Like this was a great movie. I left this movie, I had cried, I had laughed, I felt completely emotionally wrung out and for all the best reasons. So it, it was a great movie. Yeah, I, th- I think, I, 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 said on, I said on Facebook, like, I'm really impressed. I almost liked this. Like, I almost <laughs> I almost liked it. I was like, oh, that ending. Just, oh, almost just, five just, stars. Almost five stars, yeah. I would say this. I mean, like, the guys who are tracking down the mutants, you'd think they know how to, like, throw a stun gun or a taser or a net. Because, like, don't touch these kids. You will yeah. die. Like, that's what yeah. I just didn't get. Right. Like, I just... love that Pierce is sitting there, like, laughing when his own guys get chopped up. He's just, yeah. like, enjoying it like, you should, a little too you, much. You've been raising these kids since day one. You should know how to, like, restrain them. They Admi- were just... Admittedly, like, half of those guys were Mexican police. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> 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 they really were. <laughs> it's true. But it was like monkeys trying to fuck a typewriter. And like a few the... Blackwater... Uh, Blackwater, few... yeah. So, hey, so so as, as a funny, just complete non sequitur, you talk about monkeys fucking a typewriter. Yeah. You know, there's always the phrase of, of you know, you leave monkeys in a room long enough with, ty- with typewriters, eventually you'll get Shakespeare. Sure, which has been tested. Right. Turns out when they tested it, you don't get Shakespeare. You get about 50,000 pages with the single letter F because monkeys <laughs> because monkeys lack the, basically, the variation. Correct. So they just hit the same key over and over yes. and over and over again, non-ending. Yes. Yeah, this is very, I've heard this too. I love that story. Just pages and pages of the letter S. <laughs> yep. They, they can't generate enough, because they're monkeys. They cannot generate enough of the permutations to give you Shakespeare yep. or Moby Dick. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that was good. All right, dude, what have you been into? Uh, I saw. Well, I went to church today. Um, and then so you're into God now. Yeah, I, I guess. I, that's, at least someone's trying to get me into that. Um, I bought the. Did I tell you this in the last podcast? I can't remember. Uh, I bought the new, uh, the new-ish Conan board game. Not Conan the strategy game, but Conan no. the board game. It's it's a hundred and thirteen hundred and twenty dollar game. Wow. And, it was a Kickstarter game. It is. I've tried it a couple times with the, with the roommate. It's pretty badass. It's a. It's like a multiple. I'm, I'm, glad, setup, I'm glad you finished that sentence with the word ass instead of just it's it's pretty bad. No, if it were pretty bad, I'd be mad. Like, I'd be <laughs> straight up pissed. It has miniatures. It has two double-sided mounted mat boards that are fantastic. Wow. Uh, really nice dice. It uh, Beautiful cards. And, and it's kind of... I've been trying to find games that it's like, uh, like the Gears of War board game from Fantasy Flights or even House on Betrayal, uh, Betrayal on House on Haunted Hill. It uh, or Descent, the dungeon crawl game. It's kind of like a dungeon crawl. Basically, you can have anywhere from it's a two, uh, two to five player game. One player is the overlord. He's like the bad guy trying to fight you and kind of like the DM, if it, it kind of, but not quite. And then the other players are Conan or characters from Conan. And you basically fight the board. You have a mission to accomplish and you guys have to fight it out. And the cool thing is the, the directions or the instructions for the game are fairly vague so it leaves a lot of room for improvisation and it's not it's not a very like hard and fast like okay your turn this is the way you do your thing now it's your turn it's like i'm gonna do this and i use my gems to indicate what i'm gonna do and then it's like then your partner will do something and then you could do something again and then another player can do something and then it's like oh you just did that all right now i'm gonna do something and then you can keep going until you exhaust uh your what you do but the problem is like your characters can get tired and you can cite you have to cycle through your gems and stuff like it's without going too detailed i'm i'm excited to try it with more and more players nice it, it's, it's actually really cool. really cool and what else 
I just picked up, I started rereading On Liberty by John Stuart Mill because apparently the world is going crazy and we need to we need to get get out some crazy. So reading some good old fashioned 18th century essays on liberty. That's about it. Also met I also met the CEO of Overstock. Got his business card. Huh. What? Yeah. He was uh, I had there was this event last Saturday down in Point Loma at the Mises Institute and uh, a couple people were talking and one of the presenters was uh, the CEO of Overstock. That Got to meet crazy. him, talk to him. Yeah, he was all he's all about Bitcoin or the blockchain. He was like all about that. It was pretty interesting. Oh, blockchain is going to, yes, you're yeah, he at, is all he's about right. It. It's yeah. going to change banking so, forever. It's so cool. So that's, so that was basically it. That's, that's all. Oh, and UFC 209 last night watching that. That was fun. Brought, brought a friend of mine to see that and he had never watched a UFC inv- event before and he was like, whoa, this is pretty crazy. Nice. I was at the Tilted Kilt. It was good. Tracy? Well, I got back um, Sunday from the UAE. So that was pretty fun. It was mostly work-related, but I got to do a couple of things. Got to go to a cool souk and walk around and look at, like, solid perfumes and stuff. All very strange. Very cool. Um, I watched The Fall, which is a two se- or three three-season Netflix show that starred Gillian Anderson and Jamie Dornan. Jamie Dornan of Fifty Shades of Grey fame. And, of course, Gillian Anderson as one of the hottest women ever to live. Still super... I mean, she is so incredibly attractive and so cool to watch. And just a very dynamic... I mean, I don't think that the writing on that show was all that good, but she made it so I wanted to watch it. So I watched all three seasons, and it it ended on a pretty solid (coughs) final note. So I don't think there's anything going forward. Just remember Um, when gingers rule the world. (laughs) Well, she's actually a blonde in that, so... Sorry yeah, about not that. Not naturally. Not natural. It's true. Um, I just started the OA and I got about half an episode in. I'm not sure if I'm going to actually like that. I believe that's also a Netflix original. Um, I'm reading a book by Kenneth Pollock called The Persian Puzzle, which is about uh, the history of the United States and Iran um, since mm. I think this thing starts in roughly like 1890 or so, and it quickly skims through until it hits about the late 40s when you know the big Eisenhower, Dulles Brothers situation with Mossadegh st- sort of ramped everything up. And I, it So far, at least, I'm five or six chapters in, and these are really long chapters. These chapters are 20-25 pages each. I'm about five chapters in and it seems fairly even keel. I don't like reading books where it's very clear that the author has an agenda. Um, I feel as though my emotions are being manipulated and I don't get that feeling from this book. So I'll report back once I finish it. And then I've got another book that I'm just starting um, about. uh, Let me look the name of it is. It's about the oceans and our um, and the fact that the aquifers are running dry and and just essentially about water overfishing all the stuff that I really like with regards to conservation. So Cool. Uh, let's see. I've actually been kind of, kind of a Star Wars kick lately. Uh, this afternoon, before we started recording, I, I started watching the first season of Star Wars Rebels. So the third season just wrapped up, and fourth season has officially been announced so i'm like all right i should probably catch up on this shit because it's supposedly been pretty good uh the first episode so there's like a there's like a 44 minute like pilot episode and then there's like and then there's like the first season so i didn't realize there was a pilot episode first mm-hmm. so like i watched the first episode i was like are they gonna like introduce any of these fuckers or what <laughs> no no there's a different there's a completely different episode for that so i now need to go back and watch that hopefully that'll make more sense now i've also been listening to the audiobook for uh it's the third of the the aftermath 
books, which basically takes us from the end of Return of the Jedi up basically to the end of the Empire and what I assume is going to be the beginning of the First Order. Mm-hmm. And it basically, uh, basically, it's up to the Battle of Jakku, which is the, basically the last stand of last major stand of the Empire. So like during Force Awakens, when they're flying around the the graveyard, basically mm-hmm. they fly in through the wreckage of a super star destroyer. That's right. from that's from the Battle of Jakku, which is what this book is leading up to. And, you know, like I've I've listened to the other two on audiobook, and I'm on the third one now, Empire's End, and the content is good. The writing is kind of questionable. Mm. You know, the Star Wars books have always. They've never been like, you know, high literature, but a number of them, like the Timothy Zahn books, have at least been well written. You know, like the the Thrawn trilogy and stuff. Sure. This one is like not as well written, and I'm disappointed in Disney. Mm, bummer. I've got that, those two. And then yeah, I've just been reading some old um Adam Warlock comics. I hit the I finally hit the point where Jim Starlin takes over as the writer and all and artist. Mm-hmm. And it there's just a noticeable difference. It's so much better. Wow. Like Roy Roy, Roy Thomas did an okay job as the writer, and the, the artists are kind of all over the place, but but yeah, this is a much better much much better art and and mm-hmm. i mean starlin starlin kind of is the one who pulling the strings behind and directing a lot of the marvel cosmic stuff in like the 70s and 80s and this is some of the some of the early stuff and so it's just it's i know it's gonna get like crazy from here like this this is where like the infinity gems and stuff really really start coming into play got it so yeah i've been enjoying that though all right folks if you like what we do make sure you head over to thereforegeek.com check out our blog post on our podcast you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on itunes soundcloud youtube and stitcher so once again i'm andrew i'm tracy i'm dude and you've been listening to therefore a geek